0: Listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollar sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash match. Just go to indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Hey guys. It's Vlad Harris here on the Panther podcast. It's a Thursday late night, which means I'll probably release this one tomorrow morning. I didn't think I was going to have another podcast for this week, but I just figured I would do one anyway. Um, There's some things that have happened in recent memory, at least today. i football and another verbal commitment from my local kid by the name of I'm uh, my, not my butcher's first name but Kai Wright he's a uh, projected as a linebacker but he's also an athlete pretty interesting, interesting stuff I just read the uh, free article that Chris Peake from Panther Lair posted and I guess the kid he saw all those verbal commitments Pitt was racking up and decided to speed up his process and commit because obviously the local kids were were sleeping on Pitt and now that Pitt's class is filling up and there's some good kids on the, in this class as well they now got to commit or make their decision sooner and for some they may just wait it out I mean we, we've seen that before I mean in the past, I mean, back in 2003, you know, in the class of 2004, I believe it was that, no, it was Walt Harris's last year, 2004, class 2005, Pitt offered two running backs of the same size. One was Eugene Jarvis and one was LaRod Stevens. Pitt offered Eugene Jarvis hoping he would commit, and Jarvis was a star running back at Central Catholic, really good back, Pitt offered, and he just kind of shrugged them off, kind of, he wasn't going to wait out, and basically with Jarvis, he was um, waiting for other offers, basically, he wanted some, uh, he was hoping the bigger schools would have come by and offered him. But Jarvis was like a, a small back, maybe like 5'6, similar build to the Rod Stevens. So, puts it fine. Then the Rod Stevens committed and pit pulled Jarvis' scholarship. And Jarvis obviously, I guess, wasn't too happy about that. And of course, made himself out to be a victim, I guess, to local media, mostly, mostly Mike Wyatt, the PG like it was a bath. Pitt did a bad thing. The thing is, is Pitt offered two of these guys. Pitt said that they were going to take one of them. One commits, and of course the other one was left out in the cold. But if you look at what, you know, if you look at what transpired, I can, you can see that Pitt probably got the better of the two. I mean, Jarvis had a good career at Kent State when he was healthy, but the Rod ended up going to the pros and played a few seasons. I mean and, and and the funny part about this was he was backing up a Sean McCoy his last two years. So there you go. Think about that. He's backing up a potential ten thousand yard rusher in the NFL for you know, though it's gonna rush for ten thousand yards in the NFL. Still still gets drafted. I think he did get drafted late, I think. But he you know, he played a few seasons in Arizona, and came. The got hurt, and that was that. But still, he made it. And getting the pros is one is just is a hard thing in itself. So you know, in, ca- in the case of this class, these these of State kids are are picking up what Pitt's selling. And these local kids now are going, oh my god, oh, oh no. These high-state kids are going to take all these scholarships. We've got to commit. So yeah, Pitt's put some pressure on them. So they can wait it out and maybe go to the bigger schools because I'm sure they're hoping for Penn State, Ohio State. And I'm sure they've been offered scholarships, but you know, it's a matter of if the interest is really mutual. Who knows? So... It's working out for Pitt. They got house money now, so it's like it's it's almost like they're. Uh, it's almost like they're going shopping for a car, you know. and They have several cars and they're going back and forth with the dealers. When, you know, it's like when you it's like when you get that you know that first offer from one dealership, then you get two and you can you can pit them against each other. So it's kind of like that in a way. All right, moving on. Uh, Pitt baseball. Had a change in leadership today. Announced uh, Joe Jordana resigned after 18 seasons, and I really thought that this guy was going to um, save his job because I, you know, if you've heard me on this podcast mention, you know, the last few weeks, mentioned you know what's this guy's future with uh, with Pitt. You know, did, you know, could he have saved this job? Because you know, obviously, the guy started at Mercyhurst and he went to some NCAA tournaments. Pitt, the best he could do was was the Big East tournament, and that was it. And he did have some good teams during that span. I mean their final year in the big east. I mean, they were 18-6 and, and they went they won 42 games still couldn't make the tournament. They got to the ACC and they struggled. But this past year they had they had a really good year and in fact they they made the ACC tournament for the first time and got you know, I believe to the semifinals this past year. They made a, they made a big run. Unfortunately, it just came up short. But I thought, you know, with that run itself, I thought that maybe he would, um, he would save his job. But if anything, probably Heather Like looked at the, um, she probably looked at the, um, the state of the program because they 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 went they won they won they were three games over five hundred this year overall but they were eleven nineteen in the ACC. Still, that was their best luck they've had in the ACC. Not to mention they got to the semifinals. But um, I think you know in the case of Heather Like, she probably saw the um, the direction of the program the overall picture. And I guess she decided, you know what, we gotta make a change, because that's how she's been everywhere. So, if anything for Jordana was too, it was too little, too late. And plus, the man's been here for so long, and he hasn't really done anything. So I mean, it's amazing he kept his job job for that long. But but at the end of the day, it's also, it's the it's the Olympic sports. So. As some people have told me, Olympic sports were pit were so. You know, I guess, I guess I don't know if you could say low maintenance or whatever. Basically, it was one of those things where if they had, if they got a job in Olympic sports, they pretty much kept it for a long time because university was more worried about the, the big money sports. But now, when you're in the ACC and and you know you got to have, especially a much bigger conference, you got to have. All around good sports, sp- sports programs, because I mean that's what it's all about. I mean, look look at Penn State. You know, we were it was you know always known about their football. Now you hear about their hockey, their volleyball is won a bunch of titles, wrestling. Yeah, they're annoying as hell, and, and and sadly we have to hear about them now. A lot more. You know they they did well in women's for a while under Renee Portland. Now not so much since they fired her. Football obviously they're still doing well. Men's basketball not so much, and you know as long as Pat Chambers is there, pitch should be all right. Pat must still recruit well, but it doesn't really matter much. All right. Well, it's, well, you know, we'll keep track of that, and of course, keep track of Pitt's recruiting as well. So we're at the ten-minute mark, and today, about two weeks ago, we went over Pitt's biggest wins. You know, the big wins of Pitts, you know, Pitt football from 2000 to 2018. So today we're doing a lot. We're do- we're gonna do an- another script. We're doing the losses. Okay. So, I got them narrowed down to tier one and tier two of the losses because I'm not even ranking them. Well, actually, you know what? Tier one actually should just be, it should be tier one, two, tier, and tier three. Tier, the tier one losses will obviously be the Cincinnati games at 2008 and 2009 because those were games that pitch should have won. And they're the most heartbreaking out of them, either one of them. I think 2008. Was heartbreaking, but I think we were more shocked about than anything else because we were on a tear at that point, and we were hoping we can just go in and knock out Cincinnati. And of course, we fell down. We fell down behind twenty to seven, and just never could dig ourselves out. It it was too little, too late. Two thousand nine was another story. Pitt was on a tearing out game. I mean, we're talking. They, um. They, Pitt, were up. They were up two touchdowns at the half. I mean, it was 31 17. And, um. And you know, Pitt just—I um, mean, even Bill Stoll had a rushing touchdown. That's how big that was. I mean, Pitt was—I mean, Pitt started that game off on a tear as well. I mean, they scored twenty-four. It scored twenty-four points in the second quarter. You know, and obviously there were some uh, some issues because we had you know, for, as far as scoring goes, we kept kicking the morning Gilliard. I mean, think about this for a second. Pitt was up 31. Pitt was up 31 10 at one point. Right before the half, they kicked the morning Gilliard. And it was a 14 point game. And you can say that's when the ties started to turn for Pitt for that game. Because since they would get back in the game, you know, third quarter, Pitt, I think one thing that doesn't get talked about in this game, is that Pitt didn't score a single point in the third quarter. They drew a total blank. Cincinnati scored seven points to make up for it. You know, and Pitt kept scoring, and Cincinnati kept coming back. And then finally, I thought we were going to see. When Pitt scored with a minute 36 left, obviously Cincinnati let him score. There was, you you know, there was, there was obviously no you know it was obvious cuz sensei was since sensei let them keep pounding the ball they weren't cuz they weren't going to they weren't they weren't get the ball back so um, to sensei's delight the uh, extra point was muffed And, you know, the frustrating part about that is that the person who muffed it, he only had one job, it was the punt, well, actually two jobs. No, I think it was just one job. It was just to hold the extra point, that was it. Speaking of that player, he now is a coach for the Minnesota Vikings, and I forget his name now. And it's it's funny because, you know, my short-term memory is so bad that I, that I just tweeted about the guy the other week. I uh, said so this explains why Minnesota got their asses beaten by the Eagles. This guy was this guy's our offensive quality control expert. So obviously that's the that's the biggest crushing loss. So that's tier one and tier two. Tier I mean it's tier one, I'm sorry. Tier two is gonna be some other games. The 2005 Ohio U game. Mainly because it was a humiliating loss. First year of Dave Wonstadt, and we get humiliated. We get a humiliated over to Ohio U and Frank Solich. There was the opening game of the Paul Christ era, where we lost Youngstown State a one double A team. There was a two, there was a 2001 South Florida game. If South Florida just started playing one uh, one A Division one football, they were a one double A for a long time and. Perception-wise, it was bad, but South Florida had some really good players, and they won eight games that year. They were eight and three that year, and they had a bunch of guys. And I think some of those guys went to the pros too. I think. Of course, two thousand three Miami is going to be it. Was not a crushing game because the Big East title was on a, on the line, just like Cincinnati. But but uh, the way that year went for Pitt, we kind of knew that that you know that game wasn't. Could be win- really, it was winnable, but we didn't see ourselves winning it. And Miami wasn't really that good that year. I mean, they had great athletes, but they were overall a bad team. And in, in the tier two, I added Houston, the Houston Bowl game. Mainly because how pissed off this game left me. Because the staff, Paul Chris's staff, in the time he was here, was so frustrating. It was almost like they were his staff was unprepared, and you could tell the way that in some games the way the team was playing that they were not prepared either. Pitt was up big in that game; they couldn't field an onside kick twice and lost the game late. And I remember I couldn't wait for that whole staff just just to get the hell out of get the hell out. Now the tier three games, I have. Well, for one thing, there's Notre Dame, 2012. I use that game because Notre Dame at the one point was ranked. They were one. Of the t- they were in the top two. obviously had a lead on them, but um, the way things were going, it was at South Bend. We were going eventually going to get screwed, and we did. And we couldn't pull away. Obviously. We stopped uh, running Ray Graham and tried to throw, used Tino Senseri to throw us to, to uh, ice out the clock and that didn't work. There was Miami 2002. Miami went to the national title game that year. Pitt had them on the ropes and just couldn't get it done. You know, there were some, you know, some, you know, there were some you know, disappointing losses that year, which I'll get to another one. Texas A&M was early in the year year was a disappointing loss because A&M sucked. West Virginia in two thousand two was a was a, was one of the bad losses I have on this list, and the reason why is because if Pitt wins this game, they're probably going to the Gator Bowl. West Virginia won, but they didn't get I mean they brighted by going to the Gator, but. Unfortunately for them, Notre Dame <laughs> took the Gator Bowl bid, so it it really didn't matter either way if we would have won or lost. We would be in some uh, crappy bowl. I think we went to the inside bowl and won, play Oregon State and beat them. West Virginia ended up playing Virginia in the Tire Bowl, and Virginia waxed that ass. There's also UConn, two thousand six. I have this as the lowest tier, although it was a ba- it was a really bad loss, but. Pitt was pretty much done at that point. It's probably, co- I mean, this did cost him a bull, a bull bid. But obviously, Pitt was up 14 and, and ended up losing overtime because the defense couldn't close out. And Matt Cavanaugh kept w- wanting to run Rod Stevens up the middle several times. And finally, closing on, I have two Iowa games on this list. There was the 2011 game where Pitt had a 27-3 lead. It was the first year of high, the first only year of the high octane, and we were seeing the high octane at that point. And well, the problem is with these type of high octane, high octane offenses is that it's all about tempo, <laughs> and and um, you really can't run the clock out. You know, grind it out on, with these offenses. It's all about tempo, speed, speed, and and if you can't move the ball. <laughs> You Can't run out the clock, so Pitt couldn't move the ball and they couldn't run out the clock. <laughs> so Iowa came back and won that game late. I mean, we all knew that what was going to happen, and of course, it was Iowa 2015, that was Panerduzzi's first year. And I have that loss, it wasn't really a bad loss. It was a like, Pitt came back in that game when they just willed, willed themselves, and they were also hitting, hitting that game hard. I mean, they were laying some. The defense was just laying hits on these guys, and these guys were walking away hurting. And we got to see a physical Narduzzi defense. Iowa's kicker nailed a 60-yard field goal. I mean, Pitt did all they could. it just the kicker nailed, nailed one hell of a field goal. So those are the notable losses I have, notable big losses. You know, there could be more. I mean, there's was, there was a bunch from the Narduzzi era, but... I just don't see them as, as infuriating. I mean There were some ones this year but we we finished five and seven, so it's whatever. But anyways guys, that's all I have. Enjoy your weekend, hell to pit.